From the Not A Foodie Studios in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, Greenpoint to be exact, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Not A Foodie Radio Show, live on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. Mike, how's it going? It's great. Thank you for joining us, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so, I am Tom Mialli, and with me as always is... Mike Miranti. Mike and I are your Not A Foodie co-hosts for the next hour, and we will be talking about food and food culture and lots of awesome things. We actually have some great- We have two guests this two week. Two guests this week. You want to tease that a little bit? Yeah. We have uh, Meredith. Uh-huh. G- Gerda? Yeah. <laughs> Gerda. <laughs> Mike, uh, had, Mike had a lot of trouble pronouncing her name. Yeah. She's awesome, and we <laughs> talked a lot about everything she's been up to. And then we have a longtime friend of the pods, friend of the radio shows, Gene Lee, Miss at Genius Eats, coming on to talk about New York City Restaurant Week with us as well. She's got some great little details about New York City Restaurant Week. Um, She says she's going to talk about uh, female chefs and female-led kitchens and talk about her favorite restaurants. She eats everywhere. I text Gene for recommendations. Yeah, Gene is like, she knows every single restaurant in the city. And and I hate asking for help. Yeah, so... She is at Genius Eats, J-E-A-N-I-U-S-E-A-T-S on Instagram. And um, I highly recommend yeah, that you follow her. Yeah, it's a great feed. Um, also follow us while you're at it, at Not A Foodie Show, at N-O-T-A-F-O-O-D-I-E-S-H-O-W. Wow, is that right? Yeah, that's how you spell those words. <laughs> I'm at M-I-K-E-M-I-R-A-N-T-I, and Tom is at T-M-I-A-L-E. Now that we're done plugging... Um, I think we should start like we have the past couple weeks talking about some stories in, in this food. week in food news. This week in food. We have to come up with a catchy themes like that's 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 this week in food news. So, yeah. So wh- um, what's the number one? I, I mean, eggs. This isn't easy. No. Eggs are hot in the street now, Tom. <laughs> eggs are hot on Instagram. The most liked photo of all time now <laughs> is an egg. Move over Kylie Jenner. Hello, egg. The egg, I I have always been a fan of eggs. I mean, I liked eggs before it was cool to like eggs, before they were the most liked things. So, Mike, tell us about what's going on. Why why is the egg the best in the world? I'm not sure. I'm not (laughs) sure why it's happened. I I didn't really read the article. I just saw the headline and accepted it as facts. Someone basically posted a picture of an egg, just an egg on a white background, and on Instagram and said, let's make this egg the most liked photo of all time on Instagram. But they had to buy likes, right? I don't think they, they did. Yeah, they had to. No, I don't think they did. I think people just have this this Kylie Jenner hatred. I'm sure Kylie Jenner bought likes too. <laughs> I, like, they could have well, both bought likes. So Kylie Jenner ha- held the record, held the previous record. Um, and that was, uh, it, she was dethroned. She was dethroned by an as, egg. By an egg. So go like the egg. Now, I'm, you know what I'm really, like, I'm dreading 
is now there's going to be all these copycats that say, let's get this picture of a shoe more like well, no, the they, egg. They try to do it on Twitter. They're like, let's try to get this egg to be the most tweeted photo of all time. Oh, it's like, just, just, just enjoy stop. yourself. It do was you, a nice little story, like, let it die. Do you <laughs> remember when Facebook groups first became a thing and it was like, let's see if we can get this, fa- if we can get this, pic- this picture of a pickle to have more likes than Nickelback? Than Nickelback, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that how the Pickleback shot was invented? Crap. I, 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 I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> well, my food story of the week, uh, I think is, is one of the bigger stories of the week. And let's, let's just preface For this. For the world. Yes. Let's just preface this by saying whether or not you like the current president of the United States, this is a ridiculous story. <laughs> There's with ridiculous images that go along with it, which I love these images. So <sighs> they the big, hurt. the big Story is Donald Trump feeding um, the Clemson football team with uh, truckloads of fast food at the White House. And listen, first of all, let me say that serving fast food is is nothing to be ashamed of. I think that catering with fast food is awesome, especially if it's something you that think like the president. No. Okay. <laughs> but. Don't let this don't let this discourage you. If you're having a dinner party, I think it's a sort of little baller move to like get a bunch of cases of White Castle. In fact, my brother has a Halloween party every year, and the most popular person at the Halloween party is whoever brings the the sack, the crave sack the from crave White case. Castle. Yes, because because that is just a fun move to bring to a party or to cater a party with fast food. I think that's awesome, um, and I think it perfectly fits our country and our president to have all of the heat. He loves fast food. I mean, my favorite photo mm-hmm. is of the, um, the, tur- the gravy boats. Yeah. But they're just full of so- dipping sauces. Of dipping sauces. Yes. They could have had like an intern open all the sauces and pour them into something, <laughs> but they didn't. And it's just packs of dipping sauces inside of a gravy boat that probably Abraham Lincoln used. <laughs> Do you think that it's because um, our president is a uh, notorious germaphobe that he doesn't want, like, shared condiments? He doesn't want, like, all of this to be in a gravy boat? He thinks that they're hermetically sealed, like, barbecue sauce containers? I think it's just laziness. (laughs) I think it's just, like, just use it. Just take one. I just, I love, so, like I said, whatever you think of fast food or our president, I think that the ridiculous photos that went along with this were just perfect. I think that they were awesome. I loved, and I loved all the Twitter captions. My favorite one was um, with the president standing in front of a table with, you know, piles and piles of cheeseburgers. And it said, okay, well, what's your third wish? Hamburgers. <laughs> Hamburgers, yes. Uh, but I do think um, I do think that has to win the crown for, like, biggest story of the week, right? Biggest food story of the week. Yeah. I. There's nothing, like... Unless somebody, unless like a famous chef died or something. Like, <laughs> Do you, uh, so this is my question. If you're going to cater a party with fast food, what fast food are you doing? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good one. Because there's going to be a lot of booze. Well, so. but also I feel like there's also, Taco Bell is be, has become this experimental company where they put all these different like flaming Hot Cheeto tacos and, and things like that. And also, they're really good with dietary restrictions. And are they? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, it's pretty. If you're gluten free, you why can't you have a corn tort, uh, hard shell tortilla taco? 
So this is if you're dairy free, you just don't get the cheese. If you're vegetarian, they do vegetarian. Talk. They are very, very good at dietary restrictions. Well, Taco we Bell. are the not a foodie podcast, and we appreciate food whether it's fine dining or not. Mm-hmm. And I am going to say something controversial. Fast food is okay. Like fast food is okay once in a while. I hate when people hate on fast food. I feel like fast food. Obviously, you shouldn't have a whole diet of fast food, but it's a guilty pleasure of mine to have like really not good for me greasy food once in a while that is processed and is you know supports uh, horrible labor practices. <laughs> I I really only eat fast food when I'm traveling. Yeah, except Taco Bell. I eat Taco Bell whenever I go past the Taco Bell. Doesn't matter if I'm hungry or full or just ate. I'm walking and I see a Taco Bell. You, your boy's getting some Taco Bell. You can eat Taco Bell. Yeah. So I was gonna, I was gonna say that Popeyes is sort of my favorite, like for catering. But I think you beat me. You absolutely beat me. I didn't yeah. even think of Taco Bell because I put put some thought into this. The last time I had Popeyes, I didn't feel very good afterwards. <laughs> well, we'll be back in a minute. We are the Not a Foodie Show. We are at Not a Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter, and we have a great show ahead. Uh, stick around. We'll be back in a minute. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back with the Not A Foodie radio show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. Mike. Yeah. I am tired this week. Yeah, so I'm surprised you even made it here. <laughs> I um, I was in heaven this weekend. Yeah, for you, heaven is just being surrounded by <laughs> cured pig. Yes, no, it was great. I went to, um, I was in San Francisco. I went to the Fancy Food Show, the Winter 2019 Fancy Food Show. Um, it's run by the Specialty Foods Association, which is the show itself it happens twice a year, once in San Francisco, once in New York. And it is the largest sort of specialty food show. So you've got, if you have a new product or a product that, any sort of product that you want to be in Whole Foods, you want to be in, in, in major restaurant chains, you want to be in Cisco, you want to be in a hotel chain, you go to this show. There are buyers from sort of everywhere at this show. And it's really interesting. I mean, all of the different countries show up and they're hawking their wares, which, you know, I spent a lot of time eating uh, pork Period. products. I spent a lot of time eating. <laughs> eating, yes. Pork and cheese. I mean, pork and cheese. I feel like I defined my day by, like, 
two phases. Number one was the pork and cheese phase, and then number two was the everything else phase. <laughs> was there there's booze or no? There was booze later on. A lot there were a lot of mixers and bitters, like mm. people selling bitters that stuff. Are big. Yeah, bitters were huge. Bitters, I think, was one of the one of the big trends this year. And then wine from different places. But it's not really the focus is not really on the wine. It's more on the food. You know, that didn't yeah, but if you're me. making your own little charcuterie board, you can go grab some Riesling <laughs> or something. What I what I loved was um, all the different countries that were just representing their charcuterie. So Spain, Italy, France. Um, I'm just naming the countries that I ate pig ham. You know, ham from. Um, they all had these little cones with just prosciutto or hamon ibierco or whatever it is. You know, they had these great little cones that I would just walk around and just grab and eat like. <laughs> Pork cones, pork ice cream. And they was, all knew you. Yes, they, it was phenomenal. Like, oh, it's this guy again. I put on uh, on Instagram a, a picture of this just wall of Parmigiano Reggiano. I think it was a seven or eight year aged cheese, um, just walls of it. What was the most looking forward for twenty nineteen and beyond? What do you, what trends did you see there that you haven't really seen hit the market yet? Yeah, I mean, so it was interesting. I, like I said, I spent a lot of time in the international pavilions, like just eating, but I didn't see a lot of crazy food trends there. So that was very old world, like craftsman. And, and it was great. It was delicious. It was amazing. But I had a lot of fun going to the different sections of newer foods. So I think some of the things that that I saw that are trends, Vietnamese, pho, is uh-huh. is something that What did I tell you? I know you said that last week. Pho is just exploding in popularity all over the place and you saw a lot of um concentrated broths cuz pho broth takes takes a very long time. Yeah. I mean most places to 12 to 16 hours yeah, to Yeah, it's like funky too. Like it, it's not like a a chicken broth or beef broth or pork. Yeah. Like it has its own like fishiness to it. Like it's Yeah, and it, there's there's definitely special spices to it. Um you start pho, I don't know if you know this, but you start pho by like burning vegetables in the bottom of your pan oh. and that gives it sort of a little bit of a funkiness too. And then you can add your bones and, you know, whatever just to make a, a regular broth. But there were a lot of concentrates. So products that are meant for home use and for large restaurants and hotels. I, you can open up a noodle shop and just buy this concentrated broth and not have to worry about simmering your, uh, your stock overnight, you know, every time you go. So that was, that was really interesting. Cauliflower everything. That was another trend. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm know, going to... What bear bearish? That's when you think, yeah, I'm bearish. <laughs> You're on bearish that. on cauliflower, yeah. everything. You know, it's sort of funny that like I didn't see anything that was mind-boggling new. Like, oh my god, I'm blown away by this. But it's a lot of the the fringe trends you're starting to see go mainstream. Well, like you had you and uh, our friend Savannah had the Impossible Burger. Yes, that was actually at a restaurant right there because they're they're just about to unveil Impossible 2.0, um, which I think they did at CES. But CES? So CES is the Consumer um, consumer Electronics Show, hmm. and that's a, just a large show in Vegas, and that was actually the week before the Fancy Food Show. So they, it's, it's interesting that the Impossible, Impossible Company did not choose to launch anything at the Fancy Food Show, but they did at CES. They see themselves as a technology company. In also, fact, they're calling their new version of their meat 2.0. Yeah, also, though, there's less food at the... Technology show. <laughs> CES, yeah. Um, but I think to that point, there were a lot of alternatives. So a lot of 
a lot of meat alternatives, a lot of dairy alternatives. Um, there were a lot of gluten-free, a lot of probiotics, um, everything fermented. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, kombucha was huge. A little bit of CBD, like CBD kombucha, yeah. CBD cold brew, you know, things like that. Um, there were a lot of mixers, um, like we talked about. A lot Do you of see a lot, like canned things, like yes. canned cocktails. Yeah, yeah, a lot of canned cocktails or canned mixers. We saw some like alcoholic teas, like sparkling teas that have a little bit of alcohol. Um, but really, one in five millennials apparently doesn't drink. Is a stat that kept coming up. They they don't drink as much as previous generations. So there really was um, a big concentration of. Um, Smart waters or functional waters, waters that just have a little bit of something extra in them, like essentia. Like, I mean, there was there was one that had an essence of like wine grapes, which was really interesting. Wine like they use, yeah, they use the the wine um, mm. grapes, the lees, and, and all of that. I've had grape water. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what this was. But they they have proprietary processes that take out the the good stuff, like the antioxidants and all of that, and they put it in the water. You know, some of those were really good. Some of them were sort of too, just too sweet, you know, mm-hmm. but, but that, you know, that, that was a, a trend as well. The smart waters, low ABV. Yeah. Very big. Yeah. Um, mm. My favorite thing though, and this won a sort of an innovation pitch contest. Um, it was a Michelada shrub. And do you know what a Michelada yeah, is? Well, I know what a Michelada is. And then a shrub cocktail is a cocktail with vinegar and with, um, Grass, not grass, but like vegetables or fruit. Yeah. So this was mm-hmm. from Pacific Pickle Works. And they are a company that does brines and pickles and things like that. And they made this Michelada shrub that is shelf-stable. So you can just have a big batch of it just waiting around. You mix you mix it with a tomato juice of your choice and then the beer of your choice. And it is just this great spice concoction that has like apple cider vinegar in it. And, and I sampled a bunch of it. And um, I thought it was I thought it was phenomenal, not just to drink, but to also use for cooking. They were talking about um, that they're working with chefs, and chefs are using it for you know cocktail sauces and oysters, and they're making bloody marys with it, and um, and things like that, and marinades out of this michelada shrub, which I thought was was really cool and really interesting. And that's one of the things that that really stood out. Awesome. We'll have to get some into New York soon. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to buy some on Amazon. I'll bring it in, and we'll have uh, we'll have micheladas. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. Well, that was the Fancy Food Show. You're going to come back. Um, they're coming back in new, to New York in, in the summer, June. right? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to definitely have to do that. And, yeah. Uh, you know. uh, it's my turn to eat all the Amani Berico. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back in a, in a couple of minutes. You're listening to the Naughty Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rampa 620 AM. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so... BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. 
For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back. Thank you for joining in with us. 6.20 a.m. Radio Rampa. It's the Not A Foodie Show. I'm Mike, and with me is Tom, as always. And right now we're joined by a very, very special guest, Meredith Gerda. I got it. All right. Good pronunciation, yeah. Mike. Hey, uh, Meredith. Hey, Mike. Hey, Tom. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Great. Awesome. Glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, I met Meredith like two and a half years ago mm-hmm. uh, pouring wine at a Costco. Wait, uh, were you working at the yeah, Costco? Yeah, the Costco liquor store. I thought store. maybe you were just like, you know, walking just, around yeah. with a Pringles can filled with wine. Like. Just getting people. Yeah. No, no. I, um, <laughs> I was, it was a side, it was an in-between gig. Okay. Uh, at KH&H Liquors. It's a liquor store next to Costco in Long Island City. Long Island City, Queens. Yeah. So we met, uh, we connected on Facebook. And then she's were you here just now. were you just shopping at Costco? I was I pouring was, wine. I no, was not shopping you. at Costco. Yeah. I was you shopping were sh- at Meredith was shopping at Costco. I mean, and and you know, you live in Long Island City, go to that Costco, and I never really pay attention to the sample people, but Mike just actually clearly really was invested in this and yes. what we were drinking, what we were going to make with this, and it just seemed like uh, someone who what wanted me to have the best experience, and you never see that in a Costco. So yeah, was, you looked at him and you said, this guy will have a radio show <laughs> one in day two years. I could, I could feel it. <laughs> no, but she, she saw me do all this stuff with Sen and everything else since then. So, so wait, so can you talk about Meredith? Like you're not just someone who met Mike in a Costco. Uh, that's why right? she's here. <laughs> so if you guys ever want to be on the radio, just meet Mike in Costco or meet me at Costco and we'll put you on the radio. Meredith, why are you on the Not A Foodie Show? <laughs> so Mike and I were connecting um, over over food and drink because um, I've actually then been in the hospitality industry for a while as well. Um, now I have an Instagram that um, is just about 20,000 followers. and I'm What at, is it? And I'm at the salty piece. P-I-E-C-E? Yes. Yes, okay. the salty piece. Like, I want the salty piece of that pretzel. Ooh. Okay. So, doesn't everyone? Yes. And all I do is post pictures about food because, really, that's what I'm doing most of the time is <laughs> um, making something, cooking something, eating something, drinking a lot. And uh, So do you, do you have a food background? So I fell into food when I moved to New York and needed a third job. Naturally, to, of course. to live in New York. It is New York. <laughs> and the only other hours in the day that I could that I could <laughs> fill with work were the early, early, early morning hours and bakeries. So, so this is like when you were a student, this, or this was when yes, I I had moved to New York to uh, to start graduate school, and it was really just those early morning hours that were free. Right. So I started pouring coffee. Like literally, first job in school was pouring coffee, and then I. Kind of really liked this this speed, this pace. I saw you know the chefs in the kitchen, and it I was really interested, and so I stuck around, and eventually just was was picking up anything I could, learning from anyone who would take a second to teach me, and was showing up on time every day. So I quit grad school. That's success, right? <laughs> showing up on time every it, day. It, well, that, that's uh, one of the. Th- it's like I can teach you how to uh, roast a chicken. I can't teach you how to come to work on time. Yes. It's it's surprisingly difficult for a lot of people, but persistence, persistence. 
So I, I then quit grad school because I said, this is what's making me happy. Mm-hmm. I started washing lettuce, literally at the bottom of the rung there, and just kept working my way up and then learned how to roast a chicken, debone a fish, um, then actually cook. Um, and that led into restaurant management. Um, I switched over to front of house um, because that's really something that I was more naturally inclined to. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so fast forward to today, I mean, I, I love to cook. I love to talk about food stories and what's connecting us as people. Like what's my my version of, you know, a pasta dish or a sandwich is probably not too not too far off from someone who's halfway across the world. Right. <laughs> so you but you cooked in you cooked in some pretty major kitchens. It's not like you just, you know, were were pouring coffee. You cooked, I mean, I don't know if you can talk about some of the places, yeah. if not, or I, I mean. Absolutely. I So I was beyond lucky that this job pouring coffee was actually at Bouchon Bakery, which is owned oh. by Thomas Keller. Yeah. yeah. He's one oh. of the best chefs in the world. So this wasn't just not, a, like. Now she says it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm picturing you at like Mel's Diner with like a cigarette dangling from your <laughs> mouth pouring coffee down south somewhere. <laughs> it's I, Honestly, I couldn't have been more lucky because um, Thomas Keller is one of the best chefs in the world and also has this philosophy that. You call everyone chef, whether you're washing dishes or whether it's it's actually TK, um, that if you want to learn and if you want to learn how to do things the right way, I will show you. Just show up on time. <laughs> so I, I was pretty lucky. And um, I worked for some other big restaurant groups in the city. You know, I worked for um, Danielle Ballou has a, no has a lot of restaurants yeah. <laughs> here. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's where I really cut my teeth with managing um, and opening properties, which, as you guys know, is a beast onto itself. Yes. I don't think I ever want to do it again. It's it's a labor of love. I've I, seen it. I, I've seen it take chunks out of people. Like, literally, I've seen people lose 30 pounds, like, yeah. just opening up a restaurant. I, I was talking to somebody, and I was like, I don't, unless it was my only job opportunity, I don't think I would take, like, a raise to go open another restaurant. Unless it's yours, I think. Unless that, it's, that's different. That's, yeah. I'm talking about for somebody. Like for yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Uh, unless it was, like, a very close friend of mine who was like, I really need this. Like, like if Mark was opening up a restaurant, I would go do something for him. Right. One of, one of our yeah. friends, a friend Shout of the podcast. Out Chef Mark Garcia. Mark Garcia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but Meredith, do you feel the same way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I learned a lot. <sighs> And especially with international restaurant groups like you know, Thomas Keller, um, mm-hmm. you know, and any any of the big ones, you really learn what it is to be managing front of house and back of house. And to have that agility is really something that um, I've been fortunate enough to pick up from people who really invested in me saying, OK, if you if you're managing this group, you need to understand everything that they're going through and everything they need to do on a daily basis. And that's everyone from you know, your your dishwashers to you know, your executive chefs. Right. And um, part part of why then I, um, I ended up getting my master's of business was to be able to really do the, the front of house side. So you moved from becoming or you moved from washing lettuce and sort of cooking and back of house or front of house, no, back of back house, of house stuff, yeah. to front of house <laughs> to actually going and getting your MBA. Yep. And I, I just finished it up, actually. So I was very happy. I went out for a nice steak dinner. Where? Um, so it was actually um, this this. My family's in Connecticut. So it was this place in Hartford called On 20, which is probably the best restaurant in Hartford. Um, and, and you feel like you're in New York, you know, it's a, it's a great steak, great cocktails, um, you know, nice dessert, which is pretty much anything that I could ask for. Um, and 
And it's nice to be able to see that even in like these smaller cities, people move there for family, but they still have this passion for cooking. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of those New York style steakhouses, I feel like, you know, just scattered, peppered around the country. And they're hard to find, but when you find them, they're they're good and yeah. You know. One of the best meals I've ever had was at Garden Grace, which is a steakhouse in Denver. Oh. So, phenomenal over the top. Cool. Well, I think um I, I'd love to hear more about you know, what you're going to be doing next. I mean, you've got an MBA. You want to drop the name where you got your MBA from? I'm going to roll my eyes a little. Go ahead. Go ahead, drop the well, name. I, I, I went was... to a school in Massachusetts. Yes. Oh, no, no, Cambridge. Mike. Cambridge. It's Cambridge. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. So, um, so there's there's your hint right there. <laughs> uh, so I just finished up my coursework at Harvard for my MBA. Great. And for, for me, I decided to take that cooking mentality of do or do not. So <laughs> it was it. Yoda. Yes, yes. It, it was. I, I heard that in the kitchen all the time, like, do or do not, Meredith. There is no Our, try. There is there is no try. Like, yes, chef. <laughs> yes, chef. So you went from washing lettuce to uh, finishing up your coursework at Harvard. Let's talk about um, when we come back, we'll talk about what you're going to do with the, that degree, what you want to do. Um, and what you're doing now, And too. what you're doing now. So you are at The Salty Piece on Instagram. On Instagram. So this is Mike and Tom. This is the Not A Foodie Radio Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. We'll be back in a minute. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back. Thanks for joining us. It's still Mike and Tom and Meredith. Hey, Meredith. At the salty piece on Instagram. Follow her really quick. She puts out awesome content. We were just looking at it over the break. And while you're there, also follow at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram. And mine too, at Mike Maranti. And, and at Timia. Let's plug. Everybody yeah. plug. Yay. <laughs> Lots of Instagrams. <laughs> so, uh, so Meredith, we talked about um, sort of where you came from. We talked about uh, working your way up from washing lettuce to, you know, front of house, um, a little bit of restaurant management. Then we talked about you going to a small school in Cambridge to get your MBA and having a great steak. Um, so what what are you going to do now? What, yeah, what what's why next? why did you go get your MBA? Where what what's the future for you? So I I I resisted the MBA for a long time because I I'm not a numbers person. I'm a take things and make other things with them. So cooking, you know, really took off quickly for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the restaurant management, yes, just make this work more efficiently. Um, but then I couldn't fight the fact that in at least corporate restaurants, they really want to see someone who can work those numbers because it's such a small margin that you have to work with. 
And I kept hitting ceilings professionally where I really couldn't get into these jobs to really, really be able to impact both the the groups I was with and the industry without having more business knowledge. So this is really, really to help me be able to um, manage bigger restaurants um, or be able to work with more international groups and really feel like I have more impact in these uh, in these decisions. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you say you hit um, ceilings, do you think that I, I, do you think that there are glass ceilings for various reasons? There, you know, there, Tom, there are many, many reasons. So I, I'll, I'll say this, that um, as, a, as a young woman who also just didn't go to culinary school, so I didn't even have that backing me. I didn't even mm-hmm. have that, but she went to CIA, but she went to, um, and that there are so many people who can make numbers work, but they don't know how to manage the information that they're given um, to say, okay, here's how we can how we can operate more efficiently from a financial perspective. But how do we make that happen when at the end of the day, it's sugar, it's butter, it's flour. (laughs) And it's a great experience for people. And it's that experience that you remember. You don't remember if an entree was maybe $5 more than you wanted. You remember how it made you feel. Yeah. So I always say you need good food to make people happy, but you need good service to get people back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, that's really yeah. where my heart is. If you don't have good food, it, it doesn't matter. Nothing, you're, you're going to fail. And but, I also, but I also think that um, from a business standpoint, like going through that crucible of dealing with everything from washing lettuce and the back of house and, you know, the, the, the craziness of the pressure of a kitchen to the craziness and the pressure of the front of house, that, that, hardens you and smartens you and it, it hones you into being able to do lots of things. So you combine that with an MBA and I feel like you're an unstoppable force. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate the vote of confidence. You know, I even just starting at the, the block one, which was just pouring coffee, there is nothing that will humble you more than when someone comes back and says, I really hate to say this, but this coffee isn't hot. And you're just thinking, that was my only job was to give you a hot <laughs> cup of coffee. and how does this make you feel? How would you feel? Right, right. No, I, I know what you're saying. It's uh, You have to take pride in your work. And Absolutely. There are people that take pride in their work and there are people that do not. And if you take pride in your work, no matter how menial the task might seem, if you can't do that correctly, right. then, yeah, it, it impacts you. And that's a lot of my Instagram is, again, it's all food stories. And so if, if I have a great meal at one of the best restaurants in the world, that's great. I am going to talk about them. But also if I just have a great donut at, you know, a little place on the corner. Welcome to the Not A Foodie Show. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and, and that's uh, that's why I post about these little places. I, I think it's all about those experiences. And like we were saying, I finished my graduate work. I wanted to celebrate with my family. So instead of going out in Boston or going out in New York, I said, let's go out in Hartford. That's I, lo- I love it. I mean, I, I we were just talking at, uh, during the break about going to a small little Italian red sauce joint down in, in Florida uh, last April. And I, I loved it. I loved the hominess of it. I, I That's the not a foodie mantra, right? Like you can <laughs> you can experience, you can appreciate food. It doesn't have to be at per se, which is amazing. Amazing. Or a taco cart in Jackson Heights. It could be just, just as a transformative experience. I also feel like those luxury ingredients like truffle and foie and all that stuff, uh, it it masks a mediocre chef. It it can it can, it can. Yeah. absolutely. Like, like if you're just gonna shave white truffle over something, it's gonna be decent. Like it can't <laughs> be, you know, like it's not gonna be bad. Right. But like you're you're not good 
and you're also not creative just because you're shaving white truffle over something. Yeah, that's not the right. reason you're creative. You yeah. can get creative with those ingredients, yes, but that's yes, not yes. the reason that mm-hmm. you're a good chef. No, I agree. So so right now, you you, you mentioned about your Instagram stories, and I know that you, wanna, you want that to sort of um, – you want to put more time and effort into telling food stories, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, in the next month, actually, the Salty Piece will not only be on Instagram, but it will also be a separate blog. So all my posts have these kind of food stories in them, everything from, you know, it is so cold in New York right now, and so the only thing I wanted today was a luxurious cup of hot chocolate and kind of um, th- those moments that everyone can relate to and also my personal life. Um, so it will be its own blog, which will be um, thesaltypiece.com. And, um, you know, I've been working with these brands. I've been really fortunate to have some companies reach out to me and say, like, can I, can I send you this? You know, can, can you post about this? Because we're either trying to make people aware of this organic product or this new beer from Italy that we're now selling in New York. By the way, Meredith brought beer for us. Yeah. So, so if you want to be on the Not A Foodie Show, meet Mike and Costco and bring alcohol. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, someone brought us. Booze. So, someone brought booze. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, wor- it worked for me. Yeah. So. Right. so what's what's the what are some of the brands? So you mentioned some of the brands, but what's the what's the beer that you brought? Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So uh, the the beer that I've been fortunate enough to work with, um, and and I've been uh, doing sponsored posts for them, and really just enjoying them over the holiday season has been Biro del Borgo. They are an Italian beer, um, and they're rethinking ale that it shouldn't just be in the back of your cooler for that one person who doesn't want wine at your party. This is what you want to feature. I mean, we had it during uh, Christmas and New Year's, um, anything from a cheese and charcuterie board uh, to it can it can stand up um, with its kind of medium hops, slight pepperiness. It could stand up to heavy proteins. Great, great. So you're yes. working with you're working with the beer company, you're yep. working with other brands um, to tell stories. I guess you're trying to tie those stories into your food photos and into into your your new degree. I mean, doing more sort of management type uh, type projects. Or? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm freelancing now because you know when you when you're in New York, you, <laughs> it, it goes it, comes, the, it yeah. comes with the territory, and it's exciting for me because there there are a lot of companies that have reached out to me just to say, look, we we're spending too much money and not working well enough. So again, that agility, that front of house, back of house, just looking at how we can be operating in a way that actually gets the job done. And in my mind, if you can do that in a kitchen in New York, you can do it anywhere. I, I yeah, agree. When I, uh, when I went to college in Michigan, I'm from New York. Um, I was telling my then-girlfriend, I was like, look, I have to move back to New York City. I have to try to make in restaurants. And either I do and it works out or I fail and I stop. But either way, I need to know that like, I tried to do New York City. And I, I succeeded. It, was, it worked out pretty good. And here you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here you are. But I'm like, the only one in this room that is ashamed that I've never worked in a, in a you restaurant. You want a buster job? I got you. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, whatever, MBA. I'm the smart one. I didn't get involved in any of this, this stuff. Is, this is true. <laughs> the truest statement true. ever on this show. <laughs> uh, it's something that we talk about on the podcast a lot. Is that if people, everyone's always like, well, what? You know, you should start a restaurant. I'm like, no. Like, I value my life too much to start a restaurant. And I think that people, if people knew what went into opening a restaurant, they wouldn't be so they wouldn't be so quick to open one themselves, and they wouldn't be so quick to tell you you should open a restaurant. Ha, have you seen the Frasier episode where Frasier and Niles buy a restaurant? Uh, what? Yeah, it's like one of the first. I'm, I'm sure I have. I mean, but and you know, they, when I was you know 16 or 17, it's like a restaurant that's like closing, like a fancy French restaurant, and uh-huh. then they buy it, and then it like just literally burns down. <laughs> 
Well, they at least got the insurance money instead yeah. of the, the, the slow decline and, of a failing restaurant. Yes, right. And, and then they reference it again, and uh, Marty, the dad's like, "You've had a lot of bad ideas. This idea is worse than you bought a restaurant." No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for joining us, Meredith. Thanks, guys. Any, uh, so, what, what's anything you want to pitch before you leave? I mean, obviously, the salty piece. Yes, yeah, salty piece on Instagram and soon to be blog, which I'm very excited about. Is it going to be thesaltypiece.com? Yes. Okay. Yes, thesaltypiece.com. Great. Well, that's that's it for Meredith. Meredith, we we look forward to hearing more from you, and um, we hope to have you back. Sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. You're listening to the Not A Foodie Show. It's Tom and Mike on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. We'll be back in a minute. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, The staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from The Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant-loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back. Thanks for joining us. The Not A Foodie Show. As always, it's Mike Miranti and Tom Miale. Hey. Joining us at 6.20 a.m. Radio Rampa is our very, very, very special friend, Gene Lee. Hey, guys. At Genius Eats on Instagram. Instagram influencer extraordinaire. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. And just a very good friend of ours. I've been, I've been looking forward to uh, having Gene on the radio show since we started the radio show way back three weeks ago. Um, Jean is a friend of the podcast. She's been on the podcast. Jean, did you know that your podcast, I think your episode of our Not A Foodie podcast is probably number one or number two. Oh, that's so most awesome. Most downloaded. So Love it. Yes. So Jean is at Genius Eats. Jean, why don't you introduce yourself, spell it out, and tell us who you are. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Tom. So hello, this is Jean Lee, Genius Eats. Um, I am a food enthusiast and native New Yorker. And obviously, love talking about the food scene here in New York City, which is why I am here talking to these two wonderful guys. So, yeah, I, I got started because um, I love food, and I was dining out a lot on my own, and I started chronicling and taking photos of the places and the food and dishes that I've been eating. And, and I was just sharing it with my friends on social media, uh, primarily on Facebook way back in the day. And then, um, you know, I started to realize that people were really eager to find out where I'd been and some of my recommendations. And then, of course, Instagram blew up and I became very, you know, I started sharing on Instagram. And before I knew it, it had sort of blown up. And now this has become sort of my first, my my full-time job. 
um, and working with a lot of different restaurants and, and chefs. So It really is, too. Uh, this past summer, we all went out to Tom's Place in Long Island, out east, Jean included, and she just got back from a big tasting. Well, it was uh, all these different chefs out in the Hamptons. Oh, yes. That was the James Beard um, Chefs and Champagne event. Yeah. Yes. And so we were all just like hanging out, drinking cocktails, watching TV, and Jean was editing in the corner on her phone because she was nonstop. not stopping. I know. Yeah. yeah. Just working. working well, working. I mean, Jean, you've got uh, it, to say that you are on Instagram taking photos of food is a little a, bit of an it's understatement. It's a major disservice. <laughs> I mean, you take, first of all, you take beautiful photos. Thank um, you. You're always taking photos. One of the things that that I love about you is that you're also always responding to people. You're, mm-hmm. you're always engaging with your um, your your fans, your viewers, whatever you know, whoever your subscribers, I guess, mm-hmm. and it's it's just amazing. It's amazing to see, and it's um it's amazing to see how you've grown that. So, Thank you. Well, how many followers do you have now on Instagram? Um, Not that numbers matter. I know, I know, <laughs> but I did hit a big milestone, so I'm really I'm really happy about that. I did hit the uh, the hundred thousand mark. Oh, oh congratulations! Um, which is which is which is great. I mean, we, it's helpful when I work with different. <laughs> There we go. There's the bell. There's the hundred thousand, hundred thousand follower bell. I mean, it helps when I, you know, work with different brands and such, and it does give you some credibility. Um, but I, you know, do want to add that, you know, it's not just posting any photo that's just food pornish, if you will. Right. You know, I really do try to showcase a lot of the restaurants that are chef driven, and maybe even be able to tell a little bit of the story, you know, behind the chefs and their concepts. And because remember, you know, there are people behind all these dishes, and I think Absolutely. that's really where the gem. You know, that's really. The stories um, that you want to hear. Before I met Jean, I always thought that the Instagram influencers were like bubkis, like just had no idea what they were talking about, knew nothing, just like, oh, look at this shake with a million things on top of it. And everyone wants to call themselves a foodie, and yeah. which is why you call yourselves not a, not a foodie. Not a foodie. <laughs> yeah. But we, every time we meet, we like, we eat and we, we talk about what we're eating. Always. And, we're, and it's, it's a very big difference between you and some other, uh, Instagram influencers that I've met along the way. Yes. Thank yes. you. I do try to distinguish myself. And, you know, it is genius eats. So the, everything that I post and all the dishes that I, and all the photos that I take uh, of these dishes are, uh, I like to think they're curated. You know, so I'm not going to lead absolutely. you, a, I'm not going to lead you astray. I'm going to like, you know, direct you to places that I absolutely 100% recommend. And let's let's talk about why you're here particularly today. I mean, we love talking to you all the time, but you're here mm-hmm. for a reason today. Yeah, yeah. I am really proud to be uh, an ambassador for the New York City Tourism Board. Wow. Um, they have a website which is just, you know, full of resources. But, of course, they launched New York City Restaurant Week, which happens uh, biannually, one in January and one in July. Um, and I have, of course, always loved, you know, uh, promoting the restaurant scene. This is New York City's, you know, favorite pastime is dining out. <laughs> so, um, and this particular year, I really love that their focus is on uh, restaurants that have female chefs. Oh, that's great. Which is a really great thing. And of the 370 restaurants that they have, actually only about 10% are run by women, which is really surprising, such a small amount. So, wow. yeah. so I want to be able to showcase, you know, these women that have been working in these, you know, some top-notch restaurants and kitchens and and I love that they've taken this initiative to showcase the women. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's are there are there any, like, what are some of your um, just must-not-miss restaurant recommendations for, for New York City week. Restaurant Week? Yeah. Um, well, I love participating every year. Uh, one of my absolute favorite restaurants is Benoit. 
which is Alan Ducasse, world Ooh, famous yeah. chefs, um, French bistro in Midtown West. And I absolutely love what chef Letitia Ruaba is doing there. Um, and I'm partial to traditional French bistro fare. I love it. And I this is the so right classy. time of year for that, yeah. too. Yeah. Party Coco Van, and she's got a beef bourguignon on the menu. So that's one of my top, yeah. perfect, top choices. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also really love Kraft. Which is Top Tom Chef. Colicchio. Yeah, Top Chef uh, Tom Colicchio's restaurant. He's got um, Abby De La Rosa uh, as the executive chef there. And it's just very contemporary American fare. I love the service. I'm um, always, always solid choice for New York restaurant week. Great. Yeah, great. Any, any other, like, sort of maybe not as fancy, but, you know, need to visit places for, uh, for that? Oh, I love uh, Pig and Cow. Which is, uh, you know, oh, I don't know K-H-A-O. Yeah. I don't know that place. Chef Leo Cohen, um, you know, does fantastic. It's a Filipino gastropub in the Lower East Side. Oh, how Always have I never so been there? I mean, her sisig is You're amazing. Sleeping. Yeah. Wow. So I'm happy to hear that, you know, we've got a few places like in the East Village. So I would say a pig and cow. I also love Root and Bone. Yeah, I with love Janine Booth and her husband, um, James, uh, Jeff McGinnis. Um, and they're famous for their fried chicken. And, and biscuits. Who so. doesn't love fried chicken? Yeah. Exactly. And they do a really, really good job of that. Yeah. And, of course, everybody knows Alex Gardichelli. You yes. know, um, And she's got her restaurant, Butter, in Midtown West as well. So, Oh, that's awesome. A Are lot there, of great places. And, and how from. does it work? Do most of these restaurants have some sort of a deal? Usually it's like some sort of price fix? Or? Absolutely. So it is a prefix. And um, for lunch, they offer two courses for $26. And uh, for dinner, three course for only 42. So it's a really good deal. And I think it's a great way to, especially if there's a restaurant that you haven't been to already, this is just a great introduction yeah. to the space. Um, I know it can get a little hairy during restaurant week. They usually fill up really quickly because it's such a good deal. Yes. But I think, you know, if it comes down to like actual foods, um, you know, being able to look at the guides, you know, people's recommendations, they'll definitely, you know, you'll be able to find some real gems there. I feel like you just need to be on it with the reservations. Like yes. Get yeah. on the reservations. Get on open table. Uh, so yeah. and, and or Resi or, yeah, or any, uh, seem, not seamless, uh, Yelp. Well, primarily, I, I believe they do partner with open table. Okay. Is the, primar- is the oh. primary reservation platform okay. that they use. Um, but you can go to their website, and nycgo.com. Yeah. Sorry, nycgo.com. Yeah. Great. And it's if you go during off hours, you're usually able to find yeah. something like that. And it starts, I mean, we, we didn't say when it starts. It starts um, today is Saturday. It starts on Monday. Monday. Monday, Monday the 21st. It runs for three weeks um, up until uh, Friday, February 8th. And so, yeah, get on those reservations. Oh, my God. This is, the, this is like the time. I, whatever you guys are doing right now, listening to this radio show, you should be on your device. <laughs> ready, set, same, go. Uh, ready, yeah. set, go. Looking at uh, reservations. This is a great way to stake out a Valentine's Day place, too. <laughs> so you, yeah. maybe you don't want to take your significant other to restaurant week. But you're going to go meet up with a friend or something. This is a really good way to see exactly. if this place is good enough to take bay. <laughs> for Valentine's Absolutely. Day. And it always helps when you've been to the restaurant before. It'll show mm-hmm. you really know your stuff. Well, and that's the and thing it, about restaurant week. Yeah. It's, it's that you're not going to... Uh, a lot of chefs put out um, almost their, their greatest hits a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. on uh, during restaurant week. So you might not get deep into the menu, but you'll you'll get a great idea of what that restaurant represents mm-hmm. and the talent of the, the chefs. And it's a great introduction to yeah. the restaurant. Especially Absolutely. if it's a cuisine that you're not familiar with, too. Yes. 
I agree. Like, yes, that's a good point. Like Peruvian gastropub. I am absolutely. Oh, I'm crazy about Peruvian food that. right now. I feel like it's, Vietnamese food I is also. I feel like it's a very big. I can teach you right about now. Peruvian food. Yeah, <laughs> I know. yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, but no, it's exciting, and um, you know, it gives people you know a reason to sort of get out. I, I love checking out New York Restaurant Week for new restaurants. Yes, because they're always putting their best foot forward. They, have, they realize they yes. have to. Yes, because everyone at that time is only dining at. New York City Restaurant Week restaurants anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So right. either they do the restaurant week or they are getting no business. Right. But I definitely encourage everyone to, you know, take a look at the menus because a lot of the menus are, um, you know, they're they're focused and they're, you know, um, they don't give you that many options. So I would highly recommend that you go check out the menu and see what you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Gene, we have to wrap up this segment really quickly. I want you on the air right now to make a commitment that you're going to come back and do this radio show. I would love to. Thank um, you, guys. Always a pleasure. You, we could always talk on forever. And you should so. go and listen to the episode of the Not A Foodie podcast that Jean is on. Talking she talks Korean about food Korean food, and it's awesome. Jean, what is your Instagram? How do you spell it? Okay, it's at Genius Eats. And that's J-E-A-N-I-U-S-E-A-T-S. Great. Now you're going to have 101,000 Drop followers. me a line. Let me yes. know that you listened here. Thanks a lot, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Gene. Thank we'll be you, back Gene. in a minute. This is the Not A Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Radio Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. Mike, we successfully convinced Gene to stick around for our final segment. We just hey. cracked open a beer and we're like, stay. Happy hour. It's cocktail time. Yes. <laughs> so if it. you've been listening to the show, which I know all of you have for the past couple of weeks, we like to end the show um, thinking, about, thinking about the future. Thinking about the future of this day. It's... Saturday afternoon, you just finished a long day of recording radio shows, and it's time for a drink. Mike, what are you drinking tonight? I'm going to have a Brooklyn. Uh, what, what's a Brooklyn? A Brooklyn is a classic cocktail. There's like, so the way there's like a Manhattan, there's mm -hmm. a cocktail for all five boroughs. Yes. Uh, so a Brooklyn is two ounces of rye, an ounce of dry vermouth, a quarter ounce of Luxardo. Uh -huh. And uh, some bitters. And then you garnish it with like an orange peel. Why are you having that? 
because uh, of what you told me your drink was going to be. <laughs> so I changed mine. <laughs> that but sounds good. But it's honestly one of my absolute favorite cocktails. It's it's kind of a riff on an old pal, which is another rye and dry vermouth cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm big into that flavor profile. That's great. I love, um, I love cocktails that are named after cities or places or things like that. I think last week was, was last week a Toronto? No, last week I did a Oaxacan Negroni. Yeah. Again, geographic. Um, the week before I did a Toronto. So I'm all about the, uh, the geographics right now. Nice. Jean, what are you, what are you drinking tonight? Well, um, just the other day I was at a bar in the West Village and I saw one of my favorite whiskeys. It's called Bren. And I happen to know the woman, um, Allison Park, who created the brand, and it's won all these awards. So started here in the West Village, so it's a local brand. Um, she, what she does is she makes her uh, whiskey out of cognac. They're, they're stored in cognac barrels. Oh, cool. Aged so- in cognac barrels. So they've got a beautiful bouquet. And uh, at the B, um, at the BHS Inn, rather, I call it the B, is a nickname, um, Chef Angie Mars, uh, you know, bartenders, they make a special uh, Manhattan with it, and it's smoked. Oh, I love So it's that really good. So I have yeah. to say, that could yeah. be my favorite cocktail of all time. Really? Oh, yeah. And what restaurant is it at? This is the Beatrice Inn the in the Beatrice West Village. Inn. Okay, yeah. Chef Angie oh. Mars, the owner, she bought it from Grading Carter. Um, and I love the restaurant, and of course, the drinks are just on point as well. So Wow, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, mm-hmm, I might be there tonight. <laughs> yeah. So come, come check out yeah. Mike at the Seriously. Beatrice. <laughs> um, I am. My cocktail is a weird, serendipitous sort of. I, I, I don't know. It's a weird story. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I was in San Francisco um, for the fancy food show, and I was wandering around uh, with a friend of mine who lives there, and we stopped into a really great cocktail bar, and. I had one drink and it was it was delicious. It was sort of a riff on a Manhattan, which is a cocktail that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to the bartender. I said, I really like this, but I want something that has a little bit more of a um, just a, a little bit different, something that has a different taste. I wanted a little bit more herbs. I wanted something just a little bit different. So he poured me a drink. I tasted it and I said, this is delicious. And Mike, wh- where where are we located Greenpoint, Brooklyn. We are in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. The name of the cocktail was the Greenpoint. Oh my goodness! Yes. It was meant to be. So what's it in was it? meant to be. It <laughs> is. It's rye whiskey, so it's a it's a rye base. Mm-hmm. Um, you, they use yellow chartreuse and sweet vermouth, um, mm-hmm. and a couple of different kinds of bitters. I think it's Angostura and um, shots. No orange. Okay. Yeah, um, but it's a it's another milk and honey cocktail. So for those of you who listened to our our show, we talked a little bit about milk and honey, which is you know, a legendary cocktail bar. Um, and it was named for this neighborhood. So it is, it's the Greenpoint cocktail. Apparently, um, it was named because of the greenish hue that the chartreuse gives it. Ah. So it's did, the Greenpoint cocktail. Did you tell the bartender that you have a radio show in Greenpoint? Yes, but he was unimpressed. <laughs> Sounds like San Francisco. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. He was absolutely unimpressed because I feel like um, I, I feel like it was one in the morning and I probably didn't say it properly. <laughs> I said, I have a radio show in Brooklyn. <laughs> and then that was it. 
<laughs> he said, that's great, guy. <laughs> That'll be $20. Yeah, I but I know. love that connection, the whole bicoastal <laughs> thing. You know, it was that's cool. Very, very odd, but but also weird and serendipitous and just great. Mm-hmm. Um, but So that's what I'm drinking tonight. Well, I think that about does it for the Not A Foodie Show. So thank you for listening. What we'd like to end with is just reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear everything that you think about this show, good or bad. Um, Mike, yeah, give us a shout out. What are our, what are our, how do you get in touch? At Not A Foodie Show on Instagram and on Twitter. At Mike Maranti on Instagram and Twitter. At Team Miale. T-M-I-A-L-E. On, on Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Next week. <laughs>